0: O risen Christ, open us to the power of your resurrection, as we hear it proclaimed anew this day, that we too might raise to new life in you. Amen. Hear this word from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 35. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is unable to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him. They will say, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot and asks them for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all you possess. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Just a, a quick word of appreciation. Um, I uh, enjoyed the opportunity last weekend to be um, away uh, from um, Uh, took the Sunday as a vacation uh, and uh, was able to preside over a wedding. It was delightful. Um, But come Sunday at about one o'clock last weekend, my email box blew up. And it was all compliments on Pastor Kate's sermon. So what a delight to have the word proclaimed so well uh, by so many uh, here at Chapelwood. So what if I have to change? What if I have to change? So one of my favorite stories, thinking about change, is a story that comes out of my time doing seminary at Duke University. While at Duke University, I got the opportunity to serve on a kind of a committee, a council that helped advise the ministries at Duke Chapel. Duke Chapel was kind of like the campus ministry on steroids. Right? They, they had everybody. Uh, I know these days Duke Chapel's just a lightning rod for controversy, but um, back then, 15, 20 years ago, uh, it was uh, campus ministry on steroids. And so everybody had a part in Duke Chapel's ministry. There were Catholics and Protestants, there were uh, charismatics, uh, there was every flavor of Christianity you could imagine. And I remember getting called uh, to discuss and debate a certain set of circumstances. Uh, There was an off-campus Christian ministry group who had encouraged students, uh, undergrads, to move off campus and live in their communal house. And in addition to this, they had encouraged these students to adopt um, daily habits of discipleship, some of which were um, fasting and some of which were praying regularly. And in, in addition to this, the ministry had advised students that if their courses had come to distract them from their discipleship, that it's okay, they can drop some courses and it'll be all right." So parents had called. What is this cult that you have that's encouraging my kid to move out of the dorms, to live with other people in a communal house, to pray regularly, to fast? You know, cause fasting, anytime you talk about fasting, you have to be careful, right? Cause um, it's, a, it's an important, we're just not used to um, fasting, right? <laughs> And then to tell kids that Jesus might be more important than their bachelors from Duke University. You crossed the line. Yeah, you can't do that, that's not right. Right? Some of you can appreciate uh, these comments, right? Some of you have recently watched your own children or grandchildren graduate from an esteemed university and you are happy to have a pay increase because you no longer have to pay for tuition. Okay, I've been out for a week. I may not have my timing down, right? I mean, this is amazing that at Duke University, there's a conversation about how we shouldn't be too fanatical about Jesus. This is the same place that allows students to camp out in tents for three months for basketball tickets which they will then attend and paint their bodies Duke blue and scream for their team, giving up their own um, agency uh, to um, chant the, the cheer that someone else wrote, right? I mean, doesn't that sound like a litany to you? Um, and not only that, but we call them Cameron Crazies, Crazies. And, uh, you know, they, they chant things like, uh, you know, Carolina, uh, go to HE double hockey six. I mean, it's just horrible, right? I mean, we, we let perfectly good, almost Ivy League students um, treat themselves this way. But yet, hey, let's be careful. Don't get too serious about Jesus. What's the difference between a focused, um, disciple making community with a clear vision of changed lives? and a cult? What's the difference between um, an organization that tells someone how to think and how to act and how to live and a discipleship program? I mean, it's kind of like the Supreme Court has said in the past, I know it when I see it, right? I know a cult when I see it, but what does it look like for us to give completely of ourselves to the life that Jesus calls us? Jesus talks about change. And before talking about change, Jesus says, consider the cost. When you go to build a tower, don't start, right? If you're gonna build a new building, have a building campaign, right? Or a a building committee. If you're gonna go to war, don't just run out there and throw troops into the battle, but think about the strategy. Consider the cost. Now, what's fascinating is that Luke's gospel is one of the most family-oriented gospels uh, of those in the Bible. That This is the place where we learn that John the Baptist and Jesus were related. It's the place where we uh, hear the story of the young 12-year-old Jesus headed to Jerusalem and the frustration that his parents have when he slips them in the line for the temple and how frustrated they are when they find him later on. It's the same gospel that also talks about um, this radical teaching that we're uh, looking at today, right? I mean, only Peter would preach on hating mothers and fathers on Mother's Day, right? No laughter there. But notice the requirements. The requirements are not just that we uh, hate uh, those who call us away from the gospel, but also to take up our cross and to carry it which is language for self-sacrifice and also a willingness to relinquish possessions that might not be necessary for discipleship. Oh my gosh, you went from preaching to meddling, right? Don't tell me I can't have the newest Apple watch and still follow Jesus. Clearly, Jesus would not have been allowed at Duke Chapel to be a campus minister. I mean, he's just way too meddling in the student's lives. I wonder, as we think about this topic, imagine uh, families in the time of Jesus, in that biblical time, usually a family had a business, right? Peter was a fisherman. When Peter begins to decide to follow Jesus, right? And how much time does Jesus give them? He says, uh, come follow me. And what did they do? Dropped their nets and followed. Now, to lose a fisherman if your business was fishing is a horrible thing. Not just the man hours, but also the wisdom that comes with it. so the idea that somebody in a family would leave the family business to follow a prophet was just a crazy idea. Come on now, stay here with the family. We're the ones that feed you and clothe you. We're the ones that will provide for you. Don't walk away. Don't follow some rabbi's teaching. Who's gonna take care of your grandmother, right? Who's gonna take care of the family farm? Who's gonna be the one to craft and to merchant? So as Jesus says very clearly uh, that we have to leave mother and father to follow him, he also uses these two very clear examples about building a tower and going to war. Now, I don't think anybody in the crowd happened to be a general of an army nor a construction engineer, but it was two things that people in that uh, kind of biblical Jerusalem understood. They knew the idea, especially living in the world in the shadow of Rome. Sometimes it's better to negotiate peace, than to be obliterated by the enemy. And if you're considering the cost of building a tower, some scholars say that uh, during Jesus's lifetime, there was an ambitious project to build a tower that the foundation was not settled for um, in the appropriate way and the tower fell over, killing workers and other bystanders. So when Jesus says, consider the cost, he's saying, be careful when you go up against the enemy because you need to be ready and be careful If you build a tower, others may be hurt if you don't consider the cost. What if I have to change? What if I have to, what if I can't remain the way I am? I have to tell you I was uh, trying to change today, right? I decided to uh, wear a bow tie. What if I have to change, right? I mean, how many of you um, are just change fanatics You drive to work differently every day. You sit in a different seat at church every week. You go to a different Sunday school class or grow group. I mean, you are just a change junkie. When you go to the restaurant, you go to different restaurants every time and you eat off of a different part of the menu every time. Anybody, anybody? No, we are habits. We are habitual people. I actually uh, kicked Kate out. She decided to sit on this side of the pew. And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor Kate. I know we're talking about change, but I sit there. <laughs> I mean, have you ever thought about it? Right? How do we handle change? You know the scary thing is, is um, the idea of considering the cost for change. That's okay. We've figured out the cost. We we see the pictures, whether it's uh, photoshopped uh, on the internet or whether it's those glossy Cosmo magazines. They tell us what we should look like, what we should eat, and what we should read. They are quick to tell us what we are supposed to look like. And in many ways, we have considered the cost and bought in. What is the cost of change? Well, what's the going rate for a gym membership? What's the cost of change? Weight watchers, sign up, they'll make you different. What is the cost of change? If they can't laser it, plastic surgery it, or change it, you know, it it can't be done. I love the, my favorite joke is uh, uh, the um, plastic surgery anonymous uh, addiction meeting. Uh, Everybody sits down and the leader says, I see a lot of new faces here (laughs) and I'm disappointed, right? Change. We know what it's going to cost. And in many ways, we are sacrificing every day for change. How many of you are willing or have been willing in the past to get up at all hours of the night to drive a child to baseball, basketball, volleyball, soccer or swimming contests? We're willing to do it. Why? Because, you know, little Johnny or little Janie just might make it to the Olympics. I'm sorry, I've met your little Johnny and Janie. Like It's gonna happen. We know what it's like to change. We drive that extra hour for the commute. We stay up an extra hour at night to uh, connect with our spouses. We spend uh, extra amounts of money so that we can go to the extra cool Magic Kingdom e-ticket ride. We know what it's like to sacrifice. But have we considered the cost of how Jesus has invited us to change, to be different? not so that Johnny can make it to the Olympics, and not so that we might be a little bit more entertained on the two weeks where we don't work 80 hours a week, that have we considered the cost of putting first things first, of allowing even things like an Ivy League degree, even things like uh, um, eating uh, all the things that we can, have we let those things disappear so that it might become very clear that Jesus is calling us to something else? You know, um, I have to tell you, I feel overwhelmed at times as I watch media. You know, the media is so good, TV, internet, you name it. They will tell us what we should be, right? What we should be. And I want you to listen really clearly to the word I'm about to say, because it, it will either determine whether I'm moving or not. Nobody likes to be should on, Think about, nobody likes the the shoulds that have to be done. And if Jesus just becomes another message of you should, you should, you should, then we tune it out and we move on to something else because no one likes to be uh, shamed into changing. But we know from Pastor Kate's sermon that the invitation is not, come on, you horrible, sinful people who can't get it straight. I mean, let's be honest, the changes that we're talking about are not changes that get us salvation. There is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. The first step when we talk about taking our next step is to claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Once we've done that, there's some house rules. Now that you're part of the family, let's act like it. And if we're gonna act like it, then maybe we should make the most important thing in our lives, following Jesus. Which might mean um, giving um, up the family values of of doing everything that mom and dad say. Sometimes it might mean asking mom and dad to come and join us at church. Uh, It might mean picking a new compass heading and considering the cost and following Jesus. I keep getting reminded that we have this one great, beautiful life and we get to decide how to spend it. And that the two most important days of our lives, one is the day that we're born, thank you mothers, and the other one is the day we figure out why we were born. You see, the change that Jesus calls for is not the change of more stuff that we have to do but a beautiful moment when we find out why we are who we are. One great example of someone who's figured out who they are is Christopher Catrombe. He's an American, he's married to Regina, his wife is Italian, and they love to boat and to sail, so much so that independently wealthy, they spend $8 million to renovate and refit a 136 foot ship they call the Phoenix. You see, uh, they were moved by the realization that just in the past month alone, 1,200 immigrants from African and Middle Eastern countries, most of them Christians, have been persecuted so horribly in their country that they have crammed themselves onto boats and begun um, floating uh, out of their country and hopefully across the Mediterranean to safety in Europe. In fact, it was one story of one boy who was 14 years old. Uh, His parents were not on the ship with him. Uh, His parents had paid for him to go, recognized they may never see their son again, but they needed to give their son a chance at life, real life. So Christopher and his wife, uh, they troll the Mediterranean, waiting to find out if there's a ship that's overcrowded and about to sink. Most recently they found uh, a boat that was overcrowded with 369 people on board. None of them had life jackets. They were all without uh, preparations. Uh, They didn't have enough food. Uh, There were women and children. Uh, There were uh, eight pregnant women. They had all types of injuries. In addition to injuries, they also, uh, some had diabetes and others had uh, scabies. They were in such difficult circumstances that if not rescued, they would have died at sea. Christopher and his wife have considered the cost, considered the cost of the realization that if someone is drowning and you have a boat, chances are you should rescue them. Not all of us can have a 136 foot boat or spend $8 million to refit it. But I wonder Who in your neck of the woods is drowning? Who in in your sphere of influence needs rescuing? Who in your area, in your place, in your view, in your eyesight, from your perspective, that you can see someone is struggling? And if you just change course a little bit, they might have life and have it abundantly. What if I have to change? Maybe a more challenging questions. What if I don't change? What if I just float along with the current? What if I let the wind blow me one way and another? What if I just let the waves happen? Will I ever get anywhere? More importantly, what if I make a choice that there is a harbor that will make all the difference in my life? And all I have to do is chart the course to there. Having taken the first step of accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, where might we go now? How might we change? And who in the world needs rescuing? Because certainly Jesus rescued us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. Recognizing that many of us have already taken that first step of committing our lives to Jesus, uh, we want to um, uh, find ways to help people take that very next step. Not the whole enchilada, not the whole elephant, but just one next step. One of those steps might be uh, coming to terms with priorities and beginning to think about change and beginning to take those next steps towards that new change. It's so easy to make uh, the call of Jesus to take up our cross and to follow him into a hallmark card. It's a nice sentiment, but Jesus didn't really consider that we would sacrifice ourselves for the faith. I'm afraid that Jesus did think we should sacrifice ourselves for the faith. And so what might it be like for you to take up your cross and to follow Jesus? Uh, um, some of the next steps that are available to you. We have a wonderful new small group that's meeting on Monday nights at the Atnip's house at seven o'clock. It's an open group. You can come and go. Um, we started last week with the first uh, uh, first week, um, but that doesn't matter. You can come and join us for the second week. Uh, it is a sermon response group uh, meeting that uh, where we'll discuss kind of how you heard and experienced the sermon. What did the preacher miss? What was the Holy Spirit saying to you? It's a great opportunity. If you're not involved in a small group uh, to join uh, that group. Uh, also, this Saturday, we're thinking of starting a hybrid virtual and physically present small group, which means if you got a computer or a tablet, um, the first and the last will be uh, time together, um, usually on a Saturday from maybe five to seven, playing in somebody's backyard uh, with the kids. Um, And then the weeks in between uh, will be an opportunity for you to do online learning as a community uh, with other members of Chapelwood Methodist. Um, This is to accommodate uh, summer schedules. So if you are out and about and can't be here present for a Bible study, guess what? By the wonders of them internets, uh, we will figure out a way to be together uh, to learn. So if you're interested, please talk to Pastor Kate, myself, or to uh, Rhonda Taylor, who's in the Narthex. But for now, um, our closing hymn is, uh, Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. Be sure to pull out your hymnals and look in page 338. David Hill's gonna lead us in that hymn. And if today's the day that you'd like to join this congregation, we'd love to have you come down during the closing verse of Where He Leads Me, I Will Follow. You'll grab a hand of those next to you. Uh, don't have to hold everybody's hand, but hold somebody's hand. Let's have our benediction. Almighty God, we give thanks that you have called us to change and that you will love us through that change and that you have invited us to consider the cost. For following you is simple, but not easy. So help us as we follow you to rescue others, for surely you have rescued us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.